0: What I'd like to talk about are just some more of, and this is repetition of course, that we've all heard, but some of the issues that we have in our, in our practice, in our meditation practice, either here or at home, or if we go on retreats, just the things that we're always uh, bumping into. And for a lot of people, it's the, these are the things that cause them to say, "I can't practice, I can't meditate," and uh, they just will become frustrated with themselves and quit. Or we, all of us, run into that as an obstacle. Uh, I'm too busy. I'm too tired. My mind races. My favorite is when people say, "I can't meditate because I have a racing mind." <coughs> well if we didn't have a racing mind, we wouldn't need to meditate right we'd be living in a meditative state and once we are living in that state we don't need to meditate if if it becomes our uh, moment-to-moment reality that we don't have a racing mind that we are mindful that we are filled with uh, loving kindness and compassion and generosity and wisdom well please don't waste any more time sitting on the cushion just live like that. So for all of the rest of us, uh, racing mind, uh, too many words in our thoughts. You know that's our that's our reality as human beings. That's that's the nature of our minds. Uh, that's their job is to keep thinking. And what we're doing when we sit on the cushion is to is to learn about that mind, to learn to work with it, to accept the nature of our minds and to just learn to work with that and see the rise and the fall of everything and see the flow of everything. And of course we're also always working to let go of that idea that anything is permanent, that anything belongs to us, you know, that thing we're always talking about, letting go of self, letting go of that strong identification with our ego, so these, this is that's what meditation is for. When you have no concept of self, you know this. Then, if if you've already reached some of those places, that's not what you're working with on the cushion. You're just living that way. So I, uh, I'd like to pull in some of the concepts that the Buddha talked about, and how they relate to our meditation practice. So the three, were the. We, the Buddha always talks about uh, having skillful actions and unskillful actions. And that's what. those are the terms we use instead of saying this is bad and this is good, because we're trying to get away from those two black and white, those two extremes. Uh, there aren't bad people, we don't have bad behavior, we have unskillful behavior and we have unskillful uh, ways of doing things and ways of even thinking about things, but it's much better if we can work into the way we think and the way we speak. Uh, if we can work away from that tendency to see things black and white. So we're always working with skillful actions, which in Pali is kusala, and unskillful actions, which is akusala. Did I pronounce those right? Okay. The, the kusala means, the, those are the good actions, akusala are the, the unskillful actions, skillful and unskillful. So, when we find ourselves in our practice or in our thoughts having uh, uh, those unskillful thoughts, one of the ways we can, the remedy for that, the antidote for that, is to replace those unskillful thoughts and actions with skillful actions. Very, and, and the skillful actions would be the positive qualities, the qualities that we develop through our precepts. If you take the five precepts, if you, if you commit to the three jewels, uh, the eight lifetime precepts, or the bodhisattva precepts, all of those represent skillful actions. They represent moral, ethical behavior. So whenever we see that those things arising in us that are negative and that we are, we know we're working to try to, to change those, one of the remedies is to just replace the neg- that those negative, the unskillful thoughts with skillful thoughts. So if we see anger arising, we can replace anger with loving-kindness. And if we see greed or attachment arising, we can replace that with generosity. So with anything that's unskillful, there's something skillful that we can we can either meditate with and sit with that. If we know that uh, say anger is an issue, that we're going through a situation where, where they're, they're, we know we're frustrated, we know we're irritated, what we can work with is specifically working with loving kindness, compassion, know we have to we have to take the opposite of that thing that's arising in us and sit with it so that so that's one of the things that that frequently in the suttas the Buddha is talking about so we're always working with skillful and unskillful actions so for one thing try to think of using those words in when you talk about the teachings I think it helps It helps us kind of polarize our thinking if we can get away from saying something is good and something is bad. Um, Sometimes things that we identify as good are not necessarily skillful actions. So we may be very attached to maybe being a loving person, a nurturing person, a caretaker. Uh, We may see those as being really uh, good qualities but in certain situations, those might be unskillful actions. They might be unskillful. We might be smothering somebody. We might be creating uh, too much codependence with someone. So, so we have to really look at in this situation or with this person or in my life right now, am I becoming too attached to these, uh, what I like to think of as good qualities? and that attachment to them, that clinging to those qualities, may be causing a lot of suffering, not just for yourself, but for someone else. So, talking about skillful and unskillful can help us kind of break our, uh, maybe our attachment to the labels we put on things. Because something, if we think we're a very, uh, even something like generosity, You know, we can push that to the extreme if we're not taking care of the things we need to take care of, but we're kind of giving ourselves away and draining ourselves emotionally and financially and physically. That could be unskillful action. More skillful might be to to check and see if we're taking care of ourselves, if we're taking care of the people we're responsible for. You know and, and doing it mindfully so that's one thing skillful and unskillful the other thing and the Buddha always talked about this when he talked about the three poisons which are the you know that's the crux of what we're working with all the time the three poisons are uh, they're, they're worded differently but I like to think of them as clinging or attachment and uh, aversion and pushing away and uh, well, ignorance is <laughs> ignorance is delusion. So the attachment, the clinging, is greed. And sometimes when we hear that called greed, we think, "Well, I'm not a greedy person." So okay, I've got that one taken care of. I don't think I'm greedy. But if we start looking at greed as being clinging to anything, attaching ourselves, uh, thinking that we can keep something and it's permanent. You know, if it's ours, if it belongs to me, maybe I can keep it longer because I'll take good care of it or something. So, uh, greed is is one extreme, but, but being clingy, being overly attached, or thinking that things can actually belong to us, thinking that there's a me or an I, that's in the category of greed. And then in the, then we think the other uh, term that's used a lot for the second poison is anger. Well, maybe we've been sitting for a long time, so we think, I'm not, you know, anger is, anger is gone. <laughs> We're probably silly if we think that, right? Because it'll crop up just when we least think it's there. But we may not have hatred, and we may not be angry the way we used to be two years ago. But that can also be anything that we push away from, anything that we're irritated about, something that sort of, eh, I don't like that. Uh, that that I'm kind of peevish about something, or well, when I just I just not comfortable when that person's in the group. You know, any of those feelings of prickliness or peevishness or irritation—that's that's in that same category as anger and hatred, one is just another extreme. So everything in the category of things we try to push away can be in that second poison. And uh, it's it's kind of, for me for a while, and this is my personal experience, I could go, oh, greed, I'm kind of okay with that. Anger, hatred, I'm not sort of okay with that. So I could just wipe those out. Then I got to the third one which was ignorance or delusion. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to rethink the other two. <laughs> so, think of them as any anything we cling to, that we want to, that we even think about wanting to attach to or claiming, and, and think about anything we push away from us. And then illusion, delusion is just... Any kind of that, any of that veil that we have, any of that cloudiness that keeps us from seeing the nature of things clearly. And a lot of times we sort of choose delusion because it's a little bit more comfortable if we're going through something very painful or if we've lost someone or if we're dealing with a great loss. Delusion is comforting because we can... uh, keep a little distance between ourselves and reality. But what we're doing when we're working with our practice is trying to uh, become more clear. You know, let things, let us see the nature of things. And that doesn't make everything brutal and depressing and heavy. It actually liberates us and frees us and allows us to uh, be fearless and allows us to just face whatever. Because we know, again, we know there is that rising and falling in the nature of everything. And when we see clearly, we know, yeah, there's pain, but there's also joy, and there's also, uh, you know, just letting things come and go. So, we're working with that in our practice. And then the other, my, one of my favorites these days is working with the five hindrances and the five hindrances come up all the time in our practice and the five hindrances are clinging, uh, pushing away, the, per- the uh, aversion, so clinging to things, the aversion, uh, restlessness, or sloth and torpor, which I love, and uh, agitation, there's, uh, I didn't mean, sloth and torpor torpor is laziness, and agitation and restlessness is the fourth category. And that's someone who says, I just can't practice because I have that racing mind. Well, of course you do. And the fifth one is doubt. And doubt is when we reach that point of saying, I can't do this, you know. I, I don't know why I'm sitting here practicing. So those five hindrances are always, Uh, think we can always work with that and there are always new ideas for working with the hindrances too and uh, this is this is something I wanted to talk about just for a minute because I've been I've been practicing with this and used it with a group I did last week and people and had a lot of feedback from people when we are practicing and we really are having difficulty Either finding the time to sit, or when we sit, we just can't do our regular, like, loving kindness practice or mindfulness practice. What I'd like to suggest is that we spend more time with the hindrances and the three poisons. And when we feel like, oh, I cannot sit today, I'm just so full of, I've got this problem or this thing in my schedule, that we sit with that. We sit with our mess. We sit with that stuff that's keeping it, that's telling us, you can't sit today, you're too busy. Or you can't sit today, you're too upset. That we sit with that. So sit with being upset. Sit with being too busy. Sit with being, uh, you know, whatever is going on that, that makes you have aversion to sitting down and being still for a few minutes and just be with that. But be with it wordlessly, or as wordlessly as you can. If you start thinking about it, what happens? You know, you start creating stories, and you can just, that's fun, because you can just go, well, yeah, I'm too busy, and -and so-and-so did this to me, so I've got to do this thing that they were supposed to do, and you know, you can you can really get into your stories, and you convince yourself how busy you are. Then you can get up from the cushion and be like, "Well, good. I, there's a, I am busy. I am too busy, and it's because other people are making me." You know, you can just justify and you can uh, uh, concretize or solidify your feeling. I am too busy, so that means your ego is a little bit tighter. So you you have just totally destroyed the whole purpose of sitting quietly for a few minutes. But if you're too busy, you can sit. And if without words, you can take too busy, where do I feel that? Where in my body? Just let let your body speak to you. Feel. What does it feel like to be too busy? What is too busy? and how do I feel it in my body and I think I think staying with her body is maybe the the best place to stay Uh, and what is it what is it for me that too busy what what does it drive out of my mind what is it what does it push away if I'm too busy and now this is this can I'm saying this now but this is too much thinking if you're sitting too busy may be your excuse for a lot of other things that you'd like to have in your life, but I'm too busy, so it it, uh, excuses me from a lot of other priorities that I've had in my life. Or too busy may be how I have an identity. Maybe if I'm not too busy, who am I? So sit with too busy, or sit with too tired. And if you're too tired, You can really look at what is tired feel like where is it you know is is it in is it where is it in this body Uh, is it in my head is it in my is it just my eyes being drowsy is it is it in is it in my chest you know where do I feel and how does, does it move around and if I really pay attention if I'm really mindful and looking at tired does it go away do I quit being tired? So, it could be that just the practice of mindfulness, we may be tired because we're mentally being uh, lazy, we're, let, we're not we're not working with mindfulness. So, take whatever that feeling is that's driving you away from the cushion, or causing you to say, not today, not now, and let that be the object of your meditation. And try to be as wordless with it as you can be. Let it be how does it feel, maybe what it looks like, what does it sound like. Uh, there may be some images of people in your life that pop up. And if you can, if you can try not to uh, chase after those images with thoughts, you just may start seeing some things and learning things that will help you. If you have, and that's skillful. Well, you're getting back the skillfulness once you do that, once you take that time to sit with the too busy or the too tired. Mm-hmm. Right. You're, and you're discovering your own skillful actions then. Uh, you know, this is it's all self-discovery, self-exploration. And when you work with those hindrances and those poisons, and you can work with them in your body, and you can work with them as wordlessly as possible, because the words tend to solidify what we're... it solidifies that thought instead of letting it go. And what we want to do is to let those thoughts, you know, look at them, label them, but don't don't let them be who we are. Let them go. But make your whole meditation being about, I'm just ticked off. You know, you get sick of it after a while. That's one of the best things that can happen, too. And then that's skillful to let it go. So you don't gently push your thoughts away and breathe. You just... It would be difficult, and I know it's difficult, uh-huh. to be thinking about all the things that um, you know going on in your body because you're feeling that way. So is it... Is it best to try and gently push those away? Breathe, or is it if you think about them, to make it worse? Well, but that's why I said try not to think about them. Try to feel. If you're if you're feeling tired, let yourself just be completely. Sit on the cushion and 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 look at tired. You know, be investigated. Okay, I'm saying I'm too tired, I'm too tired, I'm too tired to sit. So, what is too tired? Just just, Where is it? Where do do I feel it? Where is too tired in my body? Um, And just allow yourself, if you start thinking about it, then just let it go. If you see yourself, oh, I'm too tired because so-and-so, you know, if you start making a story out of it, you need to let it go. But if you can just... Take it as if you're going to lay it out on the table and kind of cut it open and see what's in there. Then what you want to do is look for it. Where, where does it manifest in your body? Do your legs feel tired? Do your feet feel tired? You know, Is it your lower back? Is it your head? Is it coming, you know, where, if you can locate it. And watch it change. Because something like being tired, your mindfulness alone can wake you up sometimes it is it is laziness it's not tiredness so it might be just that putting putting your uh, letting that become your object of your meditation can wake you up and suddenly you're not tired so yeah don't if you get if you start to get caught up in that think and thinking then do let it go but otherwise just play with some of, play with those things. Really try to see where you are. It, it's always good to keep coming back to our body and feel it. Feel where sadness is, where fear is, where heaviness, where if we feel like we're depressed, try to see. Sometimes that's all it takes is for us to see and also to see the changing nature of it. You know, we're thinking, uh, I am depressed. And if we sit with it long enough, we may discover, oh, gee, it's ch- it changes. So I, it must not be that I, it, there is depression here, there is some sadness here, there is flatness here, but we can start uh, losing our grip of identifying with it, too, as we as we look at it and see it, where it's kind of shifting around. Or, oh, not not every minute am I depressed, but it's, maybe it's, comes in in a certain in a certain way or through a certain thought or through you know if my thoughts are go go in a certain direction that's when I can suddenly feel what I what I label depression so we can start taking it apart and seeing what it what it really is okay thank you